Welcome to the sixth edition of the Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. All right, guys, we are back in the studio. It's Friday. You made it. You're almost there. You got an awesome weekend coming up. But this past Monday, we had Brandon from The Mad Scientist, and this was a big one. I mean, this is one that Brad and I had wanted to do basically since day one, since our first podcast when we launched on January 1st. I mean, I know more as a result of doing this podcast than I did in December and September. I mean, these ideas are crystallizing for me due to just not only the guests that we have coming on, but then the additional information we're getting from our community. Yeah, it is fun. And we're just like so in awe of the community. What we've come to learn is that people have been craving this and hopefully we're providing a home for this fire community. And by the way, we hit a huge milestone. We just had our 50th written review. And uh, Brad, do you know who wrote that 50th review? I might. <laughs> Chad Carson, man. Chad Carson wrote our 50th review. So Chad, <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And he basically said, um, I am a guest and a regular listener. And this is one that I recommend to other people. So thank you, Chad. I really appreciate you putting that on there. And guys, but that, that was a big deal, not just because of the comment, but also because we told you from day one that when we get 50 written reviews, that's where we implement the voicemail feature. And that's cool because this is a community-driven show. And the Friday Roundup is a community-driven episode. It's by the fire community for the fire community. So now that we have the voicemail feature that we're adding, and it's live right now, you can go do it. If you leave us a voicemail feedback that adds value, it's going to get played and we're going to get to talk about it and we're going to get to actually use your input on the show. It's just going to add an incredible level of depth. Other people have voicemail features, but they don't get used the same way that we are planning on using it. You guys are an integral part of our show and we have been wanting to use this feature since literally the first day. So I'm incredibly excited about the depth that that feature is going to add to this thing that we as a community are building together. Very, very powerful stuff. Okay, so let's go ahead and dig into uh, this week's episode. We had Brandon from The Mad Scientist, and it was kind of an origin story. So it was a mentality. It was a thought process. And in that episode, for the first time, we introduced the Roth conversion ladder. Now, many of you are already familiar with this idea because maybe you found The Mad Scientist a long time ago. But for those of you that heard about the Roth conversion ladder for the first time, that is going to be the focus of this episode. And so we're going to take some time to show you how that works. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and take a few minutes and just get some general insights from the episode, because I know for Brad, for you, this was an episode you were very excited to do, and you really wanted to go behind the scenes with the Mad Scientist and kind of pull out some of those human elements. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and the funny thing was when we finished recording that episode, you're, as soon as we turned, click the, the off button, you said, wow, that did not go at all how I thought it would go. And I think, right, right. Yeah, like, no, it's true. Uh, 
it, you know, I think it went extraordinarily well, but it, it was definitely different from, from many of our other podcasts where we dive into content. But what I really wanted to do was to kind of humanize him. He a is just such a great guy. I mean, he's super fun, like just a real personable guy. And I think that's kind of lost when you read his articles, not because they're so technical. I mean, while they, they certainly are technical to, you know, he's diving into IRS documents, as you put it, you know, 8,200 pages of the, the IRS, uh, you know, the tax code. But I actually uh, looked that up, by the way. I think that's a real that number. Real? Yeah, that's no, I think it, yeah, it's a real number. I, I didn't know. So I, I Googled it. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very, very cool. But I don't think people know the story of Brandon. And in the the episode, you know, while he's had 30 plus podcasts of his own, he just interviews people and you don't really get to hear right. what's going on in his mind or his life, really. So one topic that I thought was really interesting, and we did make note of it in the podcast, but just to kind of quote slash paraphrase was he said, early retirees are such a different breed where the standard advice doesn't apply. And he said, I'm looking at this through the very focused lens of early retirement. Mm. And that was kind of like the origin for for where a lot of his tax optimization and tax planning stuff came about, which was there's so much advice out there that is applicable for the regular office worker who's saving nothing and who just wants to get started. There's a huge place for that, obviously. There's millions of people who listen to Dave Ramsey and who, I don't know, follow Susie Orman and, and people like that. But once you get a little bit beyond that and you get into this world of fire, you can start saying, okay, not only am I getting so far ahead and expediting my retirement or financial independence is, is how we really like to term it, but you're expediting that down to roughly 15 years, right? Which in and of itself is amazing. But then you have all these built-in benefits, which Jonathan, we've kind of unpacked in prior episodes. I know you want to talk about them. So yeah, let's, let's roll with that. This story that we're building is, frankly, it blows my mind every single day because these are like the the secrets. You know that one person that has something figured out and you're like, you know, if I could just know what what it is that they're doing. You know, in many cases, people are dying to share their secrets. They're dying to share these things they figured out. In fact, they write blogs and that you know, and the biggest problem is finding those different blogs that have those content and then figuring out how to put it into your life. And that's what Mad Scientist did so well. He had a specific scenario. He said, you know what? I'm not going to work for 40 years. I'm just not. I'm not doing it. And then he created these essentially secrets because no one else knew about them, right? And figured out how to distill them and incorporate them into his own life. And then he simplified it down and he created a, a place for us to get access to that information. And then we now don't have to go into the 8,200 pages of the IRS documents, but now we get to pull those out and then figure out how to take what he's already simplified and then incorporate that into our specific scenario. But the amazing thing is he's not the only person creating content. He's doing it on these specific tax documents. That's kind of the place that he's made his stand. But there are these thought leaders in all these different places that have done the same thing, that have simplified it. And so Brad and I, what, what we view is just helping point you to those resources that are already out there that have already been created. I am not as smart as Brandon and I am not as smart as most of the people that have done all this research and found all this stuff. My jam, the, the place that I get is I want to figure out how to take what they've already simplified and incorporate it into an entry level middle class lifestyle. And then how, do, how does that person, how does that person win? 
by learning these simple techniques that really everybody has access to. That's what I love about what we're doing. These aren't things that you only have access to if you're a millionaire or a billionaire. These are the tax hacks for middle-class America, for entry-level middle-class America. And if you start with these, you can start with these at any age, but like there's different levers. We all, I love the word levers. I don't know exactly where it came from, but there's different levers that you can pull depending on where you are in life. And we're just trying to accumulate those and figure out how to turn it into a story that you just go pull the ones that work for you. And so for sure, when it comes to tax optimization, you need to go to the Mad Scientist webpage, sign up for his email list, go check out all the content that he has. I mean, he just no one has done a better job at that than he has. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, agreed. And the Roth IRA conversion ladder, which we talked about during the Monday podcast, is really the essential piece. And we've talked about this with Justin from Root of Good, certainly, and and we're going to have Jeremy from Go Curry Cracker on talking about very similar stuff, which is putting as many dollars as possible into your tax-deferred 401ks, 403bs, 457s, those, those kind of vehicles, and really getting to access those funds before 59 and a half, which is the typical age that you can access them without incurring a penalty. So that's what Brandon has figured out is there is this way to convert your typical IRA funds into a Roth IRA and not only avoid the penalty when you actually pull the funds out of the Roth five years later, but essentially get it so it's almost tax-free or pretty, pretty darn close. So this is kind of outside the scope of just like a Friday roundup, but the three main areas where I see that not only do early retirees and people pursuing financial independence have structural advantages just in life, I would say. But the three main areas that we've seen over the the last, you know, 23 podcasts are college, for sure. We talked about this with Justin on that episode where, and this is something that that is yet to come. So I know uh, Sun Wu, as we've mentioned, and Edmund T are producing a, a ton of content around this, and we plan to really unpack this over the coming months. There's a very legitimate chance that early retirees who don't have a huge income, right? You have assets, but you don't have a huge income. There are ways to potentially get college for free or close to free because you look like someone without income. Right. So that's a huge structural advantage. We talked about obviously tax planning, which is potentially getting all of your money that you've tax deferred out at a zero percent effective tax rate or pretty close. And actually, just to plug that, not to interrupt Brad, but next week, next Monday, we're going to be going through exactly he's talking about never pay taxes again, capital gains and losses, which are some advanced techniques. But that's going to be with Go Curry Cracker. So just keep that in the mind as he's continuing with this. Yeah. So that's, you know, three days away. Be sure to, to grab that episode on Monday. Right. I mean, tax planning to essentially get all of your money out and never pay taxes on it. Talk about a structural advantage. It literally, it doesn't get bigger than that. And then this is way outside the scope of, of this particular podcast since we haven't talked about it much, but many people in the FIRE community have talked about healthcare. And certainly under the current healthcare law, there are these huge subsidies for people who are not making a lot of money, right? So if that if those are the rules, then it's up to you really to use them to your benefit. Now, we're not getting into politics here. That, that is not the intent of Choose FI in any way, shape or form. But but again, if those are the rules and you qualify for huge subsidies, then you can get healthcare essentially for free as well. And I have one additional uh, thought on that. Even if it changes with the new setup, I suspect that there is going to be a huge focus on probably high deductibles, sure, that's probably going to happen, but also HSAs and probably increasing the limits on HSAs. And you know who has a huge advantage and who's already incredibly focused on using HSAs to get to FI faster? It's the FI community. So I promise 
whatever ends up happening, whether it ends up being essentially the same as it is now, or if it ends up pivoting, I strongly suspect just by the nature of the way we organize our finances, FI and FIRE is going to be positioned to win. If they go with HSAs, we win. If they go with subsidies, we win because we have already organized our finances to be optimized for those different scenarios. We have large emergency funds to prepare for some sort of thing. We talk about insurance policies and how we like catastrophic type insurance policies where we can handle the small stuff. We want something for the catastrophe. And if we get HSAs with $11,000 limits that we can put in there, we have tools to crush that. So we're going to get into insurance and either way, whichever way it ends up going, we're going to take the time to explore how that might work. But it doesn't really matter what happens because of the way that the FIRE community organizes their finances, their position to win. And that's what we want to do. We want to win. Yeah, no, that's that's a great, great way to put it, Jonathan. No doubt about it. And just to kind of pivot back now to Brandon himself, like I thought it was really cool that he was just so honest on the podcast. I mean, he talked about some pretty dark periods that he had where he thought like actually depressed. And he talked about that quarter life crisis that he had on his 30th birthday. And he was living this life of deprivation where he thought just getting to this number would make him happy. And you hit it and it's an empty feeling, right? And that's like really important to remember for everyone out there is this is about, in our opinion, it's like a secret to life, which is what Jonathan kind of mentioned earlier, which is I believe that living this way and saving all this money and and taking control back of your life is is really the, the secret to life. Like I think we figured something out and, and you all out there in this community are really on the cusp of something huge. And I think it is essential to remember that this is not about money. It's not about the dollar figure that you see on that screen when you log into Vanguard. That does not make you happy. It really doesn't. It's about figuring out what you enjoy in life and to take that time to really think about it. And I just spent this past weekend up in Massachusetts at a retreat, actually. There were about 19 men up at this retreat that my friend Dominic Cortuccio ran. And I had mentioned him on an earlier podcast, and I'll, I'll link to his site in, in the show notes. But one of the things that in speaking with someone who's this guy, Keith, who I met and, and became friends with over the weekend, you know, I realized he's at a very similar place to me, which is life is good. We have wonderful families, healthy, in shape, have businesses that are doing well and, and helping people in the world and everything's wonderful. And yet we were still at this retreat for the real stated goal of it was designing the life you want to live into. And I mean, that's just such a cool concept. And I probably always thought this was the life that I wanted to live into. And, and yet, while by no means is it empty, I don't mean that in any way, shape or form, because I have a wonderful life. It's similar to what Brandon has talked about and what Carl from 1500 Days. It's finding that more, finding whatever it is. And this quote from Keith was, I never dreamed past here. So hear that. I never dreamed past here that hit me just so hard because I can say like, I never dreamed I would get here where everything is wonderful. I'm on the cusp of financial independence. I have this podcast that we started three months ago that is now reaching tens of thousands of people. And we legitimately think this can reach hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people. And it's, that's a quote that I'm just going to keep with me for the rest of my life is dream bigger and find what makes you happy in life and what brings you joy. And that was just such a huge takeaway for me from this weekend and just incredibly valuable. So uh, I'm glad I got a chance to talk about it here. It feels, feels nice to kind of, kind of chat about it. Wow, Brad, that's that's awesome, man. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, maybe in a future episode, maybe we can get Dominic to come on the show and share some of his insights with us. Uh, I really like that idea of designing the future you want to live into. That's that's a really, really cool concept. 
Uh, one of the things that struck me is when he basically said, you know, I finally hit my phi number and um, I didn't I didn't feel any different. And he said, of course, I didn't feel any different. There's no big difference between nine hundred ninety nine thousand and, and, you know, one million dollars. It's just a, it's just a number on paper. But when he reoriented himself and focused more on not it's not the number it's never the number track your net worth but you're using it as a tool to track your progress towards your goals find out what your goals are is it to spend more time with family is it pursue your passions and when you're setting your goals you want to set smart goals which is an acronym that maybe i can explain in a in a future episode i do it now but i'm pretty sure i've forgotten some of them uh, but, you know, figure out what your goals are and then the money can be a useful metric to see whether or not you're getting close to it. But it is not the end goal. One million dollars is not going to make you happy if it's in a vacuum where you have no friends and no life and no relationships. But if money is a tool that allows you to then maybe move yourself down away from a job that's requiring you to work 80 hours a week and down to something that allows you to spend more time with family, allows you to spend more time in these relationships. It allows you to claw your weekends back and spend more time with your kids. You know, figure out what that actually looks like, what those goals are. And that's, you know, that's where you have to make your focus. But obviously, money is an extremely important tool and it's a metric you can use to evaluate how close you are to getting to your goals. Yeah, and that ties in perfectly to, to Brandon's story about how him and his wife, Jill, quote, went crazy spending. Right. Which was really kind of cool, you know, where he went from this deprivation mindset to just kind of, as he put it, testing the upper limits on what the spending could be. And again, as he put it, like they're not going out and buying a Mercedes or buying some huge McMansion, like because that's not what he values. It's going out and spending time with friends. It's traveling. It's going to that brewery and not worrying about buying a $17 entree as opposed to a $9 entree. Right. Like and it only amounted to a couple thousand dollars in different difference at the end of the year, which in all honesty to Brandon is, is completely immaterial, but the, that couple, the couple thousand bucks, but that value of just being able to live and buy what he wanted and what he valued was, is you can't put a measure in that. It's, it's really amazing. And he said also to kind of paraphrase a couple of quotes, it, it felt like I could have and do everything I wanted. And over the years, I've figured out what that is. That's a really deep quote. If you, if you think about it, like he spent years trying to figure out what he values and what he gets enjoyment out of. And he's there and he's now allocating his money and his time and his resources to further those goals. That's huge. It's not about sitting in the woods in Vermont in your house and splitting a, a hamburger from McDonald's and this ultimate deprivation mindset. And obviously he didn't do that, but he said, don't put it, that it, curse on me, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, it's about just finding where and what you value in life. So yeah, I mean, I thought that was huge. Well, here's the, here's the, here's like the life hack component to that. So we always talk about getting people to just love this entry level middle-class lifestyle, which I think gives you that sweet spot medium of comfort, but without all the waste that comes along with maybe the next level, which is maybe the upper middle-class lifestyle where you have to have your kids in the private school and you have to have a new car and, you know, have all the payments that have come with all that stuff, six bedrooms, five bedrooms, whatever it is, entry level middle-class lifestyle gives you all of that, all of that comfort without all the waste. And then what we do over and over again, and I think this is what you're seeing, this is what we're doing in my life. Every single year, we get a little better at this. And what I think our audience is doing probably, especially if they're listening to us and using some of these things that we've talked about, each year they're looking at waste they're getting rid of it. They're going down to essentially down to the baseline. This is what Brandon did too. You go down all the way to the end and then you say, okay, I've gotten rid of it. Am I enjoying my life now at baseline? 
What do I need to add back? And then you can make the value choice on what is actually bringing value to your life. Is your $150 a month cell phone bill, is that bringing you $150 a month worth of joy on a month after month basis? What if you got it down to $30 a month? Would that bring you 90% of the same joy as your $150 a month cell phone? So it's kind of, you're looking at things, why am I spending the money on this? Is there a better choice? What is the worst that could happen if I tried to make this better choice? You go do that. And then now you're there. Now your baseline of your expenses is somewhere between 30 and 40 grand, where when you weren't looking at it at all, you were spending 60 to 80. And so now you're there. Now you can figure, what do I need to add back? And you can, and that's what he did. Now he's, he's testing the perimeters. That's what we talked about. He's testing the perimeters. And he said, you know what? Wow. I could actually do all that. And you, once you've gotten used to this entry level middle class lifestyle, and then you add a few things back in, you know, maybe you feel like you're living this luxurious lifestyle, but I guarantee you, you're living it for a fraction of the cost as your peers that weren't thinking about it at any point in time. Yeah. And you know, this, this entire concept is something I've been thinking about very specifically over the last week and kind of ties into this, this retreat that I went to, which is trying to figure out like, what do I want my life to look like? And, you know, for me, a lot of that is having a support system of friends who, who we see often and, and, you know, we hang out with. And unfortunately, when everybody's busy, it's it's difficult to get together with people. And I don't know what it is sometimes, you know, if it's in people's minds of just too much of a hassle or you have to go and get a babysitter or something that holds people back from getting together as often as they'd like. And well, by no means am I looking to like give my friends financial assistance or like saying that they're not doing something because because of money. But like I was just thinking, like, what's one of the main resistance points to like getting together with your friends and going out to dinner or they have like we've been thinking about going to one of those like escape rooms. Jonathan, you've probably heard oh, of I want to do that. They have two yeah. in Richmond. I really want to do that. Yeah, let, let's let's do that. I, I've been meaning to get a group of people together to do that. So like, what if we hire a babysitter? We have a couple of girls in the neighborhood who who can babysit. And, you know, what if we do like a fun thing, you know, where we have like a party essentially for the kids with a couple of babysitters and a nice safe spot. And then the parents go out for an hour and go to this escape room. Again, I don't know if that's even plausible or if people would think that's ridiculous, but like it at least caused me to think in a slightly different way of like, how can I spend a little bit of money to potentially bring more joy to my life, which is seeing my friends more often, you know? So like that might be slightly unconventional. And, and, it, and like I said, it just might not work, but like it, it at least made me think think differently. And like, that was a very cool thing. I thought this is the power of financial independence. This is the power of achieving freedom before you're 65. You can make these decisions. I tell you, you know what you're competing against when you ask your friends to go do something like that. Honestly, they've just gotten through a five day workday stretch. They have to go mow their lawn and they have to do laundry. Then they have to make food for their kids and their their weekend's gone, right? And if they make that decision to go hang out with you, then they're not going to get to spending time with each other. Now, probably, frankly, in many cases, that time that they spend with each other is just being spent in front of the TV. But that's what the middle class family's lifestyle that has to work 40 to 60 hours a week and both spouses are working. That's what it looks like. That's what they're trapped in. Now, to me, totally understandable. All of us are going to have to do that at some point. But in the fire community, we're doing that to pursue this alternate path. And we're trying to get on this aggressive raceway to the other side where you know what? That is optional now or it's dialed back or maybe one spouse can now stay at home because you're halfway to fi or you know something along those lines. And it's it doesn't get as stressful. You can be more flexible with 
your time because you have so much more of it. You can be more generous with it. You can actually go and do that sorts of thing because you've got time in your week for these other mundane tasks that inevitably with middle-class America is just being stacked on that two sacred days that they have every weekend. You know, when you're five, every day is the weekend, every day. Yeah. And I know I'm trying to really maximize that and not just kind of waste days anymore, which even when you do have the flexibility, it's easy to get into that rut. And I'm trying to just be more intentional about my days. And that might mean like literally having a list of things that I like to do that my daughters and I like to do together and like actually physically printing this thing out, just saying like one time a week, I'm going to take my older daughter, Anna, and we're going to do a daddy daughter alone time for a couple hours and pick one of these 10 things that you feel like doing. I am submitting you for like dad of the year award. Every (laughs) single week, I'm more convinced that if there's a prize out there, I'm going to submit Brad's name for dad of the year. That is freaking awesome. I love it. It. Thanks, man. I, I I appreciate it. And and you have to work at this because you do get into those ruts. And again, I, I'm just really just trying to just get better in like every aspect of my life over a long period of time. I just make like little changes that I can make to just have a better, happier, more joyful life. And I think that's something that the kids will look back on 20 years from now and just say like, wow, like we got to spend that time with dad that was just like, just so important and so precious. And like most people don't have that option. And I realize how fortunate I am and I don't want to squander it. And that's something that, that really came up to me over the last couple of days, certainly. All right, Brad. So one of my favorite things to do when we get a new tool or technique is make sure we can give a sample scenario and actually visualize what that would actually look like. I think that's really powerful. Uh, It's not necessarily that everybody's going to have that same story, but if they can visualize how it worked for one person and what their scenario was, they can figure out what they can do to get closer to it or what part of that they can use in their own in their own life. So for the sake of unpacking the Roth conversion ladder, let's just take this scenario where we have this uh, 20-year-old guy. Now imagine that he basically figured out the college hacking thing. Now, did he do all of it or part of it? Did he get scholarship? Doesn't really matter, but he graduated at the age of 20 and he's married and has a kid at this point and he's working in a career that that makes $60,000 a year, say engineering, something something like that. Now, this guy is on a 20-year plan and he's making 60,000 and each year he maxes out his 401k, which is $18,000. They have a entry-level middle-class lifestyle. They're able to do it for about $30,000 a year. They do pay some taxes on that. There's a little bit of difference left in there. And he's on this track for 20 years. And so for each year, he's maxing out that 401k, $18,000 a year. It's making an 8% rate of return. So at the end of 20 years, he's at the age of 40, he's going to have $889,000 in his 401k. So Brad, my question to you is for this guy, what does using the Roth conversion ladder, what does that actually look like given that specific scenario? Okay, cool. I think this will be interesting and, and hopefully we can convey this a lot of numbers here just on a podcast. So I'm going to try to make this as interesting and as much of a story as possible. So I guess let's just look look at each year, right? And what that year looks like. So 60,000 gross income, they're immediately putting the 18,000 into the 401k. All right. So they've got 42,000 left over. Now let's just talk about like the taxes aspect. As we heard from Millionaire Educator, when you're married and you have one kid, you have about $34,000 of free money space. Okay. So what that means is that's your standard deduction, your three personal exemptions, and that adds up to about $25,000 in total. Okay. These are deductions on your tax return. And then you have a child tax credit of a thousand dollars. 
So when you back that all out into into deductions, it amounts to $34,000. So this guy started at 60K. He already put 18,000 into his 401k. So his taxable income is down to 42,000. And now we're taking out 34,000 of deductions, right? So it's an $8,000 taxable income to be applied against the tax rates. And at that rate, he's in the 10% bracket. So he's literally paying $800 in federal tax each year on a $60,000 income. So this is just back of the envelope. So please, if we're getting the numbers a couple hundred dollars off, just bear with us here. But he's spending very, very little in, in federal tax. So Jonathan said this family has $30,000 worth of expenses each year. So he's got the 42,000 bucks that they're actually seeing after the 401k contribution, less, let's say about $1,000 in, in taxes. So they're down to $41,000 of income and they're spending 30,000 on their expenses each year. So not only are they putting away 18K into the 401k every year, but they're saving $11,000 into their just regular taxable savings accounts. So Jonathan did the calculation on the 401k of what that would look like after 20 years, which would be about almost $900,000. And if you save this 11,000 a year in the, into the taxable savings, which would amount to $916 a month at an 8% return, that's $540,000 in your taxable savings. All right. And the reason why I bring that up is that's essential for this Roth IRA conversion ladder. So, you know, he gets to 20 years down the road and stops working. Okay. He's got 900,000 in a 401k. He's got 500,000 and change in his taxable savings and now wants to start converting that money in the 401k and essentially get it out tax-free or pretty darn close. So, what I would suggest doing is maximizing that free money. So, you know, in today's amount, it's 34,000, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. So he can convert $34,000 every single year and it essentially be tax-free because as we discussed, that $34,000 conversion is a taxable event. So the 34,000 will go on his tax return as income. But as we've discussed with the standard deduction, the personal exemptions and the child tax credit, which may or may not have 20 years down the road, but we'll say he does hypothetically. You'd have $34,000 in free money at deductions, tax of $0. So that's the amazing part about this Roth IRA conversion ladder is this guy was only paying $800 in taxes a year on the earning side. He's paying zero in taxes each year on the converting side and can do that indefinitely. Now, Jonathan, do you want to jump in with any yeah, questions? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this, I just want to always slow down and hit on certain things. So keep in mind, He's now 40 years old and he's done working, right? So he's, he has zero income right now. So when we talking about now he has that $34,000 space that he can convert this, you know, this million dollar nest egg that he has, this $900,000 nest egg from his investments, from his 401k, he, he is not making anything. So he's now living off of, and I think what Brad, what you're saying is he's able to pull out the 401k money, 34,000 of that per year and roll it into a Roth IRA. And that's called a conversion, right? Correct. And he will pay zero tax on that. So, and remember the cool thing about the Roth is you don't pay any taxes on it when you pull it out. So follow me here. If it got put in the 401k pre-tax and then it got rolled over to the Roth IRA using a conversion without incurring any tax, and then it stays in that Roth for the five-year period of time, at which point the conversion is now considered a contribution, and then you can pull contributions out of the Roth tax-free, then that's what you call winning. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the biggest win you can ever get, right, man? Yeah, Zero dollars yeah. in tax on that money. All right, so what is he going to live off? Talk us through that. 
Yeah. So, so now, you know, the key point is that you can take, once you do that conversion, now you cannot pull that money out on day one. You have to wait five years. Okay. And then those conversions essentially take the character of a Roth IRA contribution, which means you can pull it out tax and penalty free at any time once you've reached that five-year period. Now, with a regular Roth IRA contribution, as we discussed previously, you can pull that out anytime on day one, day two, whenever you want. But with the, the Roth IRA conversion, the rule is you can pull it out after five years. So you need to get from retirement day to that fifth year, essentially. That That's the whole key here. Now, this guy has 500 plus thousand dollars sitting in his taxable savings, and he's literally just going to pull out $30,000 a year. However, frequent basis, he's just using that money to for his living expenses. And, uh, you know, that is the key is having at least five years of living expenses in your regular taxable savings accounts. OK, now, obviously, he has many, many more than than five years here. You know, he's got probably close to 20 years without any investment returns. So this guy's in amazing shape. And this hypothetical is done on a $60,000 income which is not astronomical for a family and on, you know, $30,000 a year in living expenses, which is that entry middle-class lifestyle that we've talked about over and over and over again. So this is not some crazy hypothetical where this guy was set up with a silver spoon. I mean, this is someone making 60 K a year and just living a fairly frugal lifestyle. So he's done everything right. And he can draw down his regular taxable savings. And then once he gets to year five, He's got that 30K to pull out of his Roth IRA. Now, every single year from year zero, he's doing year zero after retirement, I should say. He's doing that conversion up to the maximum amount of free money. You know, the 34,000 or whatever it is indexed for 20 years from now, but we'll say the 34,000. And every single year he's doing that. So that's what's creating this ladder. So in year six, he's pulling out the 34,000 that he converted five years prior to that. Year seven, he's pulling out from fire five years prior to that. So it's it's this ladder that you keep going. And then once you get past year five, you just keep laddering and you don't have to pull out of your, your taxable accounts anymore. You can pull out of wherever you want. I so, hope somebody tweets that over the weekend. Keep on laddering, baby. Keep on laddering. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is super cool. And also, did you think about it? You know, he has all this money in this taxable account. Is he limited to just the third? I mean, he can pull out any amount he wants, right? Yeah, they certainly could. I mean, any and any savings in your quote unquote taxable accounts, that's just savings. It could be sitting in your Wells Fargo bank account. It's the exact same thing. It's your money. It's savings. In all likelihood, it happens to be in Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab because you want to grow it. But that 540000 that he saved could be just sitting in his checking account. It's the exact same money. It's money that you've already paid taxes on and have saved. I use that kind of farcically because this guy didn't really pay taxes on it because he's figured out the secret to life by, <laughs> by doing this, right? Yeah. But, but for most you know normal schlubs, they've paid taxes on it and it's the amount of money that they've saved after it's so, so much uh, fun yeah i mean it's what we just unpacked in the last 10 minutes or thereabouts is really amazing i mean if someone could do that which it's not that difficult what we just described is like i said before is it's not 
earth shattering. Well, here's what means, you do, but, man. This is how you next level it. That That's the more complicated way. You know how you make it even easier? You just go ahead and become a teacher and find a job that's a teacher that pays 60,000. Maybe that's doable. Maybe it's not doable. But if you're a teacher in a public school system and you can make $60,000 a year, then you have access to the 457, right? Yeah. I mean yeah. that, or if you're a firefighter that, and you can make 60,000, if you can get to a $60,000 income as a firefighter, or police officer for your state, you have access to the 457. That's the simple math right there, my friends. Yeah, that's powerful. That's a good call. And just real quick, for those of you that are wondering, what the heck is he talking about? Go check out our episode 13, The Unfair Fi Advantage of Being a Teacher that featured Millionaire Educator, and it'll show you how to unlock the power of the 457. So yeah, hopefully that was uh, useful to you guys out there. I think I think you know this when you read it on paper, it can be kind of confusing, but but it's really pretty straightforward once you get into it. So uh, yeah, as always, let us know your comments. Don't hold us, to, you know, sticklers to every dollar we used in, in this scenario. Like I obviously rounded with some of the tax stuff, but keep it coming with feedback or questions. As always, it's feedback at chooseFI.com. Very, very cool. And if you want to subscribe and get on our email list, uh, just text choose FI to 44222. So this is a question and it's from uh, Heather. And she says, hi, Jonathan and Brad, your podcast has certainly made it to the top of my list. I've already got my friends listening. I have a question about my 401k and my pension. I recently left my job due to health issues and I'm waiting to see if my application for my company's long-term disability insurance will be approved. In the meantime, what do I do with my 401k and my pension? I'm fully vested. This is a company I've worked for for over 16 years. Now, I know you highly recommend Vanguard and I'm thinking of heading in their direction. Do you know what kind of fund I can put this money into or do you have any suggestions? Should I move some of it or all of it? My HR department told me that I could leave it for now as the rate of return is doing pretty well. My performance year to date is 6% and I don't, but I don't really want to rely on the advice from my HR department. And I also don't want to pay fees to an investment advisor. So Brad, what are your thoughts? All right, Heather, that's really great, great questions and definitely a lot there. All right. The pension that I don't know anything about. I assume, I'm not sure if you're using those synonymously here, you know, 401k and pension, or if they're separate, uh, let's just talk about the 401k. I think one of the things that jumped out to me when I was reading this was when you said my HR department told me that I could leave it for now as the rate of return is doing pretty well. My performance year to date is 6.09%. Now, I don't want you to get caught up in this because it really doesn't matter like what the, the return is. It matters what the funds that they offer are and what the expense ratios are. So let's just say hypothetically, right? Like the market is up, this is hypothetical, the market is up 20% year to date, but your performance is 6.09. Well, that's not so great, right? But 6.09 sounds wonderful in a vacuum, but you know, with no point of comparison, like that number in and of itself doesn't mean anything. So ho- hopefully that makes sense. What, what I would look at is, is the range of funds that are offered. And what's interesting here is that with when I left my company, and, and I've never mentioned this on the podcast actually, but I actually left my 401k with my old company. And this is kind of unusual. I think most people and what, what everyone out there who has done this before is, is probably waiting for me to say is you should roll your 401k out of your old employer and get control over it. You roll it into an IRA with Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab, and then you invest it in, as we've discussed, you know, again and again, and, and we'll have Jim Collins on in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, talking about, you know, VTSAX and ultra low cost index funds, you know, specifically from Vanguard. So that's the standard advice. But what I want to tell you is it, the standard advice doesn't always hold true. And that's why I say like, 
the 6.09 doesn't mean anything in and of itself in a vacuum, but it could mean that you do have great access to, to funds there. And, and with my particular company, they actually had the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, but they had the institutional class. And this offered the lowest expense ratio I've ever seen, as opposed to 0.05% or 0.05 or 0.04 that you see for the, the major VTSAX and, and those type of funds from Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity. This one had 003 so while that's only one one hundredth of a percent difference, it's still pretty darn good. And I'm not going to pass it up because I simply can never get that rate on my own. So there was no real incentive, honestly, to roll the 401k out for me because I was literally going to put it in that same fund with a higher expense mm. ratio. OK, so that's probably unusual. For most people, most companies probably aren't offering that the exact Vanguard index fund that you want at the lowest possible rate. But that's why I say look into your options. So what I would say is look at your funds, look at whatever kind of total stock market index fund or S&P 500, which is a pretty good proxy, and see what the expense ratios are. If they're less than 0.05 then maybe you contemplate leaving it there. If you have a, you know bad options of your funds, I would definitely start the, the process of rolling that out to Vanguard and, and get all your money in, in VTSAX and, or you know, however you, you allocate it. You know, that, that's how I go about it. I know, as you'll learn from Jim Collins in a week and a half, that you know, he puts, I think, 75% of his funds in VTSAX. And you know, because of, of his age, he puts the rest in bonds. So you know, some people like international funds. You know, people of, of good faith can, can disagree uh, you know, slightly on that kind of stuff. But, but the real key is getting it into low-cost funds. So hopefully that's a bit of a long-winded answer, but hopefully that gives you like a flavor for, for how I would think through this. And you know, again, I don't know the specific details of long-term disability. And you know, it sounds like you left your company so you would be eligible to roll that 401k out. And again, you know, we don't have enough detail about the pension, so I can't speak intelligently on that. But, but yeah, hopefully that gives you a good flavor about the 401k. So yeah, Jonathan, you have anything to add? You stole a little bit of my thunder there with the allocation models. I was just going to say, Heather, you know, check in when we do episode 19, where we interview uh, Jim Collins, but certainly age and risk tolerance and whether or not you are going to have any additional forms of income coming in will help you determine your particular risk tolerance and your ratio of stocks to bonds. If Vanguard does offer both those of you to decide to move it over. Always start by looking at your expense ratios and see how high that is compared to maybe some of the things that we've been talking about. If your uh, company offers a bunch of different funds, if you just by default set up something or HR just set up something for you and you didn't have any input, I suspect that you're probably either in a target date or you, you may, you probably are not in an index fund. So you could also see whether or not they have an index. And this is just general advice to people that have a company that have just kind of let things go on autopilot and haven't really had an input. Uh, my company did have index funds, but you kind of had to dig through the weeds to find it. And certainly if you, if you have an option, in most cases, it's ideal to get an index fund if you only have certain options inside of your company's portfolio. Uh, just because those will always be lower in fees. So it would be nice if everybody had access to Vanguard inside their 401k, but that I do not have. I wish I did. So those are my general thoughts. All right. So Brian had a question for us and he said, hey guys, once again, uh, really enjoying the, the Friday roundups. He says, my wife and I are just starting out on our five journey. We just paid off all debt. Congratulations. So they don't have any car payment. They don't have a sofa payment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no awesome. mortgage, nothing. That is incredible, man. I would love to know what your baseline of uh, expenses are. 
So with that being said, uh, we're just being as frugal as possible. We're pushing any extra money into our savings right now. Uh, Mike, his question though is how the whole 4% rule works. Now he's read a bunch of articles about it, but he's a little green on the specifics of how you fool the per- four, how you pull the 4% to live off of when the time comes and what accounts this would come from, the 401k, the the IRA, the Roth IRA, and he just wants to get it right. I'm with you, man. You want to win. So, um, you know, honestly, I think a lot of that we really just answered for you and what that hypothetical might look like if you were trying to do uh, the the Roth conversion ladder, but maybe we can address some of the finer details there um, just for the for the general public. Um, this would probably be related to your age and and how old you are when you actually do retire. It sounds like you're going to be early retirement. I'm guessing he said in his mid thirties. Uh, so if you've done, if you've pulled the levers that we talked about earlier and you have five years of living expenses set aside, uh, then you could pretty easily work on doing your, your 401k to, to, to Roth IRA conversion. So just reference the first half where we really unpack that, um, if you didn't have that, if you didn't have the five years of living expenses, what would be the next best bet, Brad? Do we have another option for that? Yeah. So if you didn't have the five years of living expenses, I mean, I think you can still like the play here is to manage, manage your tax and manage your taxable income and, and how much of that free money you have. So, you know, you don't have to be perfect, right? So, uh, you can still pay a little bit of tax. If, if it, that's what it boils down to, right? Like I'm sure you're going to have some savings built up and you are going to have, if you have some money in your Roth IRA, you know, as we've discussed, you can pull out your contributions at any time, tax and penalty free. So that's probably, you know, another, if you've been putting in the 5,500 or, you know, whatever per year over a 10 year period, you probably got, you know, plus investment gains. I, you know, I don't know what you have 80,000 bucks, let's say. So, you know, that will help. So you have your 5,500 each year, which, you know, let's say you've been, you're on this path for, for 10 years, you have $55,000 sitting in there that are contributions that you can pull out tax and penalty free. You've got whatever savings that might not be five years worth of, of living expenses, but it's, but it's some, and, you know, in conjunction with the Roth contributions, you know, you're getting closer. And then if, you know, if there is some left over, well, I mean, then you get into a scenario where you have to pull some money out from your 401k and okay, maybe you do get hit with the 10% penalty, but because you're in such a low tax bracket, uh, you might, and depending on what your living expenses are, if you have all that stuff paid off, you might have like additional free money, quote unquote, that you don't need for the Roth area conversion five years down the line. And you take some of that free money and, pay zero tax on the living expenses in the current year, but just incur the penalty. So uh, that that's probably sounds a little bit confusing, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to paint a picture of like how you can come up with these living expenses for the first five years and and still pay very minimal amounts of of tax or penalty, which you know we'll call tax in this case. Uh, so I think that's doable. Or I mean, the short answer is if if you're a couple, maybe you work an extra year, you know, and and save a little bit of extra money in in after tax accounts. You know, I, I don't love that as an answer. Or maybe you have a part time job and make a couple thousand bucks or whatever it is you're doing in early retirement anyway. As we've discussed with Carl from Fifteen Hundred Days, like most people are earning some type of money in their financial independence retired early years. It's not that we're looking to sit on a couch somewhere and watch Dateline or, you know, Grey's Anatomy, like like Jonathan said. We're we're looking to live lives of of value. 
And that might mean making a little bit of money, right? So like that could get you there. Hopefully this is all, again, just painting this picture of like of how this is doable, even if you don't have the perfectly optimized scenario where you have the five years of living expenses. So yeah, Jonathan, you got, got anything to add? Totally. I get so excited with just figuring out what this picture looks like for this couple in their mid thirties. And obviously the key that we're coming back is maximize that 401k. Are y'all hearing that? Get as much in that 401k as possible. Just do it, right? That, that's number one. Number two is we want to get some extra in some other accounts, maybe a Roth, maybe a taxable account. We want to get something else because once we get this Roth conversion ladder that we're talking about rolling, we're going to need about five years of living expenses. In a perfect world, that's what we have. But then the other half of that, this is why FI wins. We all we win, right? It's because a lot of times what we're doing, we're buying freedom and flexibility. And we're not, this isn't the early retirement podcast, right? We're not saying do nothing for do nothing. The the internet retirement police, you know, stay away from us. That's not what we're saying. Will I probably be doing this podcast long after I'm financially independent? Yeah. You know why? Because I love it, right? Will I be doing real estate after I'm financially independent? Absolutely, because I love it. And so what we're encouraging y'all to do is focus on FI. Let's get to FI. But along the way, why not do a side hustle? And again, a side hustle is not you working and hating what you're doing. It's finding what you love and then finding a way to monetize it, right? So, I mean, just something on the side. It doesn't have to be much. You don't need to make 100000 200000 500000 a year. Because of the lifestyle that we've created and the investment vehicles that we're channeling, that's going to take care of financial independence. But if we create $20,000 of income on the side, $40,000 of income on the side, and it's doing something that we will legitimately love. So while our neighbors are watching Grey's Anatomy, you're putting a little bit of time into your side hustle that it is your hobby. You enjoy it. You figured out how to monetize it and it's bringing an income for you and your family. And it's mostly passive, but when it's not passive, you're loving it, right? That's the power of the flexibility of the vision of the story that Brad and I are trying to tell. You have so many options, but the baseline is max out that freaking 401k. Go do it now and then figure out how you're going to cover those five years of living expenses. And you can be creative with that and it doesn't have to be perfect, but that's what it looks like. That's the conversation. All right. So next, let's just talk real quick about where Choose If I is going. So college hacking just got real guys. Edmund T., who is our first contributor at ChooseFI, dropped the article on dual enrollment. These things are going to drop in a, in a somewhat structured order for you guys. We're finding like thought leaders and contributors that want to put their ideas in a place, this compository where you can just get all this great stuff um, and you can figure out how to apply it. And so Edmund dropped this one. Dual enrollment is, is, is what the article is about. And it's something that most people have known about or known somebody that did it at some point. But in the FI community, we focus on winning, right? And so with dual enrollment, what if you actually applied that to your entire college experience? Not as just something you accidentally fell into and did it one time and happened to get credit, but as a way to cut the time that you have to spend and the money that you have to spend in college in half. That's the power of dual enrollment. And Edmund T just dropped that article. It's on Choose FI. It's a featured article. You can also go to College Hacking on our website and you can go read that. And it is super powerful. And it, it is what I will be. It's one of the main tools I will be looking at for my child as they pursue college. The FI community is going to look at college differently. We have plans for this. And our plan is not that you don't do college. I want to specify that. You don't have to. I think you can still earn money other ways. But what we have been saying from day one is that it's bloated, it's inefficient. And to come out of school with $80,000 in student loan debt to make $40,000 a year is ridiculous, totally ridiculous. So we're gonna crush this system and Edmund T is, is, is stepped up to show us how. Check out that article on dual enrollment. Next, here's my plan. 
right now, Sun Wu has just written his first draft on how to hack college through the FAFSA. His idea is you can have a million dollars in assets and get an 0% expected family contribution on the FAFSA. This is huge. This is the next key because we're all about arranging our finances in a way that optimizes optimizes us to succeed in life. Now, let me tell you just a short story. I am the oldest of five kids. My dad was, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was the only one that worked. He worked as a college professor. And probably when we were growing up, he made you know, 30, 40, 50,000 a year with five kids. And when it was time for us to go to college, we got a a 0% help on the EFC. Zero. Like they just thought we made too much money, I guess. Now, I don't know how that's possible. I really don't. But that's what came back. But you know what? My dad didn't know the rules. And we didn't know what calculations they looked at when determining what your EFC does. Sun Wu just went and figured all that out and wrote it up in a post and We're going to be unpacking that for y'all in the very near future here. But that's the power of being in this community. You learn the rules so you can win and and you win at things that actually affect your life. These are these are things that every single person listening to this, either it will affect your life directly, it'll affect your child's life or it'll affect someone that, you know, and that's the information that we want to get to. So that's coming soon. So right now, here's what you do. You go to choosefi.com. You go check out that latest article on dual enrollment. Get that idea, that concept locked down. If you don't need it right now, you put it away and you know that it's going to be there when you need it. And then the next piece of that is let's look at how you can arrange your finances so you don't end up in the situation that my dad ended up in with five kids and 0% aid on the EFC formula. Let's learn how to optimize your finances so you can have a million dollars in assets and get 100% aid on the EFC formula. That's what that's where I want y'all to be. All right, Brad, now you got two kids. One of them's nine years old. They're gonna. This is gonna be a reality for you in the near future. Does dual enrollment and how to hack the FAFSA sound like something that you could use for your kids over the next five years? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, geez, that's if you could save hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially just by by being a long term thinker. And at the heart of what we're doing here with this whole community and with Choose of I is we're thinking we're not looking for instant gratification. Right. We're looking for being smart over an intermediate period. Right. Most people think of long term as 40, 50 years. And, and it's hard to conceptualize that. But most people, 10 years, they realize how quick 10 years goes. Right. Like if I can start today planning for college nine years from now. Yeah. I mean, I can conceptualize having to cut that check for college and how painful that will be. So I'm ready to get rolling as soon as I can see that article by Sun Wu. So I can't wait. All right. Very cool. I have another little bonus for y'all today. Now it's tax season. It's probably too late for y'all to take advantage of that for this year, but this is literally going to blow your mind in the future. And it's something that a lot of you are going to be able to take advantage of. So this is from K Siri and he sent it to me and honestly I had to read it three or four times, but it finally clicked and I understood what he's saying and it totally changed the way I look at itemizing. So I'm not going to read the whole email, but basically he sent it my way and he said he learned this from his dad who learned it from a, uh, a 90 year old farmer and this guy had figured something out. And basically the situation the guy was falling into was that because he didn't have a mortgage, when you don't have a mortgage, you essentially lose one of the largest line items that allows you to itemize. So let's say you have a mortgage and each year you pay $5,000 of interest on your mortgage. Then from there, that that's, that gets you started. And then all the other deductions you have or all the other things that you can itemize, like your state taxes and your personal property taxes and your charitable donations, or if you go to church, your ties, all those sorts of things, those stack up from there. But for a married couple, the standard deduction is $12,000. So if you don't have a mortgage without that in place, you just kind of end up getting just up to the standard deduction. And then 
it kind of just nets out at nothing, or maybe you get like an extra thousand dollars of credit. And if you pay off your mortgage, that is a reality that you will face every April. Am I right, Brad? Yep, for sure. Okay. So this is just talk about just a different way of looking at things. And it's specifically for people that have paid off their mortgage, maybe because they're Dave Ramsey people and they do a significant amount of charitable donations. Maybe they go to church and they tie the certain amount on a regular basis. What he started doing, he started doubling down on his donations. So instead of just sending his, let's just talk about a charitable donation right now. Instead of sending that regular charitable donation every single month uh, to his you know, church or you know, organization that he sends it to, What he started doing is he would do the regular payment and then at the end of December, he would send them all of his payments for the next year, which is a big lump sum. I get that, but follow me on this. So let's say that now 2017, you send your charitable organization everything for 2017, you know, over the month at a time. And then in December, you give them everything for the following year. So now you've doubled down on it. Then the following year, you don't send them anything and you just do the standard deduction and then you just alternate year after year. And it's every two years. This will allow you to get the best of both worlds. You'll get the the best of itemizing in 2017 and the best of the standard deduction in 2018. And you don't just have to do it with this. Do it with anything that gives you some flexibility on when you pay it. So anything that you can pay ahead, do it in one year. And then the next year, don't do it and just do the standard deduction and then alternate. I have never thought of it that way before. And it's the simplest thing in the world. And it will literally save me a thousand to $2,000 a year in taxes. Yeah, this was really cool when I heard this. And I, I have to say, I asked my wife, who's a CPA and you know she actually does taxes and to see if this would work. And she said it it absolutely would. Now, obviously, you know, as, as Jonathan talked about, this is plunking down a lot of money in one calendar year or earlier than you expected. But, but that's the beauty of, of saving money, right? Is, is you don't have to think in terms of, of deprivation and cash flow like everybody else does, right? Like people are worried when is their check going to come in so they can, hopefully the electric bill doesn't come out beforehand or something like that. You know, Jonathan's talking about potentially, doubling up your state tax payments in one calendar year. If you do, you know, tithe and, you know, double up the tithe in one calendar year and use it to maximize. I mean, that's, that's really, really cool. And it's just like, it's, again, it's looking at a problem and thinking about it a little bit differently. So, uh, you know, they're definitely, we can unpack this, you know, in much greater detail, but, but it's really the concept and that we wanted to pass along today. So it's just thinking about a problem differently. All right, uh, Brad, frugal win of the week. I have one. Do you have one? I don't know that I have one right now, but maybe I'll think of it while, while you're telling me yours. All right. This is goes back to frugal wood. So if y'all remember, she talked about putting stuff on that list and then finding a frugal analog. Uh, and that was in our episode, I think it was episode 12, which was how to save 75% of your take-home pay. It's actually one of our most downloaded episodes. And on that particular episode, she said what she does whenever she wants to buy something new, she puts it on a list and lets it hang out. And I'll be honest with you, I am an impulse buyer. I've always been an impulse buyer. But the more I do this show, the more I believe in the ideas I'm presenting, the more I don't want to be an impulse buyer anymore. So here was my situation. I have a treadmill. I've been hearing for a while that people are saying standing desk are the way to go. Because if you're going to passively work on something on your computer, you might as well get a few steps in there while you're doing it. And if you're living the laptop lifestyle or you're putting, you know, creating a website or podcast like I do, I spend a lot of time in front of the computer. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I need to figure out a way to get my computer 
on my treadmill so I can walk at one mile an hour while I'm doing this so I can just, you know, get a little bit of exercise while I'm burying myself in here. So they had something that I was looking at that can convert your treadmill into a essentially a standing desk. And it was probably, you know, like an $80 edition sort of thing. And so I put it on the list and I was thinking about it. And then the other day I said, you know what? I have this collapsible folding table. Let me just see if I can just put that on top of the treadmill. Honestly, I think it works better. I think it, I think it works way better. And you know what she was saying? Like when you buy something, you always find the fault with it. I can't find any fault with this because it was totally free and I, I hacked it, right? So I've actually been using it. I love it. I'm calling it the Technodrome because I have like my laptop up there. I got my little Bluetooth speaker and I've got, you know, all sorts of arrays of technology on top of it, which are completely unfrugal. But for this one example, the, 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 the standing desk, it is, it's just working, man. It's just working perfectly. So frugal analog, that's my frugal win of the week. Technodrome. I like that a lot. And you know, I feel like a slug sitting here on my uh, bed in the spare bedroom here while I'm looking, I'm actually looking at the standing desk that I have in my room. <laughs> and I don't think I've used it in uh, quite some time, unfortunately, but maybe that'll that'll spur me on and, and <laughs> we can talk about that in a, a future win of the week. If, if anybody is actually looking for a standing desk, uh, I actually found a really cool one. It is so you go to, uh, we'll have this linked up in the show notes, but it's oristand.co. So O-R-I-S-T-A-N-D.co. And this thing is only $29 plus shipping. It's actually like an, an un, it unfolds. So it's basically just like a piece of like heavy duty cardboard, but it's done in this like really neat fashion. So you can uh, unfold the thing and just stand up, move, you know, move your laptop up to it and you're good to go. And when you feel like sitting, which most people invariably, like I tried this for a while and part of why I gave up was I just couldn't stand all day. Like I had this like pressing need to sit down. So I just got out of it. But like, because this enables you to just quickly pack it up or quickly unpack it, if you feel like standing up, it's a, it's a really cool thing. So if you're not looking to spend a lot of money on like an actual standing desk, uh, yeah, check this out. Very, very cool. Uh, all right, guys, uh, that basically will wrap up our show today. I, gosh, we, Brad, we covered so much information and, and I honestly, every time I go into these, I don't always know what we're going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, yeah. we when we when we kind of sketch this out in our heads, we probably planned for 10 minutes, you know, at, at most, and we're an well over an hour into this. And yeah, it's it it is amazing when we just sit down and just talk about it. And right, like this is the ultimate conversation. And that's what's so cool. And I think that's what what people are liking about this. Like uh one we received one comment basically saying like it feels like I'm in a room having a conversation with you, except I'm the quiet guy in the corner, you know, which I just thought was so, so cool. Yeah, right? great. Like, like how awesome is that? And because that's what this is. You and I are just having a conversation. Like I didn't even remember that Ori stand standing desk until you literally started talking about that. And I quickly Googled it in the background to see if I can remember the name of it. Like, that's awesome. you know, that's, that's what we do if you were sitting here and, and you and I were just, just chatting. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, no, that that's really cool, man. And just as a reminder, the voicemail feature is live. So go leave us a voicemail. We love your feedback. We want to include you as part of the show. So definitely hop on that. You can just go to choosefi.com. You'll see the voicemail on the sidebar there. We're excited to answer your questions. We're excited that now you don't have to be the quiet guy in the corner. You can actually say something to us and we can incorporate it. That's what we're about. That's what we're going to do. So uh, this show just got real. The fire is spreading 
and thank you for telling everybody you know about it. You know, we can see it and it's, it's, it's super cool. Please leave us a iTunes review. Let us know if you got value from the show. You can go to choosefi.com slash iTunes. And also, just so you know, now when you search on iTunes for Choose FI, you can search for us as one word or as two words. We'll show up either way. We're moving up in the warehouse. We're moving on up, baby. We're moving on up. So yeah, y'all have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. We're going to be interviewing Jeremy from Go Curry Cracker, specifically unpacking how you can never pay federal taxes again. Legally, it's going to be fantastic. So uh, thanks again. And we'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.